When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my moaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sins to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters. They shall not come near Him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy, shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's pray. Father, this is Your Word. We bow our knees before You. Lord, we humbly come before You and we ask a simple prayer, a petition. Speak, O God. Speak to us, O God, this morning. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a background, quickly, to bring us up to speed quickly, as I mentioned, this was preached over four months ago. If you look at, I just want to pick up on this, as a summary, verses 1, if you look at verses 1 through 5, these are the results of not confessing sin. This is the results of not confessing sin. Sin kept in the bones, sin kept and suppressed within the body, it affects spirit and body. It affects the whole being. It's like a growing disease that festers and swells within us. In that transition, at the end of verse 5, David, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. 2 Samuel tells us, as a background, what happened. When Nathan the prophet goes unto David, his beloved friend, and tells him of his sins. So God allowed this experiment of hiding your sin, hiding his sins to go on for almost a year. This was a man after God's own heart. Let's always remember that. That's coming from the Word of God Himself, itself. But now we come to the, the other side of the coin. The results of confessing your sin. This is uh, in verse 6. This is the outline of the text. Verses 6 and 7. It will go 6 and 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11. Verses 6 and 7 are the results of confessing sin. 
8 and 9 are, is an admonition to continue to confess your sin. Not just one time, continue. Verses 10 and 11 are two alternatives. Two alternatives of all the great masses of man, of all creation. So, let us look into our text right here. Verses 6 and 7, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near Him. For this cause, we look at this, for this cause, that for is therefore for a reason. So we look back up and we we see the context of this. And David, the King David, King David right here, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my heart. That's why he's going to pray again. So where one man has found gold, he doesn't want to go to heaven alone. He desires God to be glorified. I know as a kid growing up, when you see somebody fishing, they catch a fish, you want to go right beside them and cast right where they're at. So this is for our example to be encouraged. This is why God is allowing David. It's a fulfillment of his vow from Psalm 51 where David cries, Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Then... I will teach transgressors your way. God is fulfilling an answer in His prayer. And this is for our admonition and for our encouragement to say, look what happened. How many have been troubled? How many have found great comfort through these texts? Because the whole Christian walk and the whole life is a life of repentance. These penitent psalms, are, are we're sorrowful. We see our sorrow for transgression, the one that loves my soul and died for me. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Beloved, we live in a day of grace. We are swimming in grace. It surrounds us from every corner. Our house is common grace. The sun today shines on all men. And it warms them. But when the beams of radiant love shine upon man's heart and it melts that hard stone, it sets it on fire. That's why it says, my bones burn from within me. And this is a special grace. I want to to look at this real quick. Everyone who is godly. Everyone who is godly. Notice the first thing they'll do. They shall go to church. Mm-mm. They should go run to another man and tell him. Mm-mm. Everyone, not some, all the godly shall be known by praying. Praying is only a communion with God. Listen, as grace falls down, as His Spirit condescends down to us and came down, As grace comes down, prayer goes up. As grace fills us, prayers go up. For this. Why? Because of his sins. He's praying. For everyone who is godly, as Augustine said, 
The beginning of understanding is to know oneself to be a sinner. This is the beginning of understanding. Proverbs, if you read Proverbs 3 and 4, it says, Get wisdom. Get understanding. This is everything to know who we are and to know who God is. Who? The godly. The godly. This is not the ungodly. The ungodly will never pray. Too self-sufficient. Too self-dependent. And hasn't seen or understood who He is and doesn't know who God is. All heresies and everything, our understandings and all sin comes from not understanding who God is. That's the root of all chaos. The root of all eras is not understanding who God is rightly. God in His goodness is like gave us His Ten Commandments, His moral law, and it's like going to a a bowling lane when you're a young kid and they pull up the bumpers. You will not go in that gutter. And that's what He's saying. I have given you My law. I've given you My Son. What more can I say? What more can I do? Those bumpers are pulled up to keep us and to hedge us about from going in these gutters of hell. But you know, and I know, if you really want to be in that gutter, you will cast yourself there. You're self-condemned. We do this to ourselves. We throw off the restraints in His loving kindness. Notice this. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. So, this morning, today is the day of salvation. This time will soon, as we have heard, will come to an end. This day will come to an end. And not only that will come to an end, but your, your life is a hand breath. And no one, you don't know how long. Your days are numbered. But if you will, I want to continue to look at this. So be warned, but be encouraged. Everyone who is godly shall pray. And they're praying to the true and living God. We don't know God outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, God is your enemy. God is your enemy. We only know God through in Christ. Simply. So what does this mean to be godly? For this cause, everyone is godly. Let's just take a let's take that word godly for a second. And let's look into this. What does it mean godly? Because we we know many today in our culture, many in our society are all Christians. Because they're not a Muslim, they're not a Seventh Day Adventist. Every you know, they're not Hinduism. So I'm a Christian. So, but let's let's remember this: a godly man is like God. A godly man bears the name of God and His image. He knows God in Christ. And remember, God's eyes are so pure He can't even look upon sin. God is holy. Therefore, the godly follow in those footsteps and they desire holiness. Because there's been a, a removing of a heart. There's been a transformation. A godly man is holy and he's moved by faith, which is the vital artery of our soul. A diamond is... is it, the, the value of it lies in its clarity and size. Gold lies in its purity. 
But a Christian's goodness lies in his holiness. Having the mind of Christ, as Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Having the mind of Christ. Taking everything to Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I'm getting permission and I want blessings. Notice this. Everyone who is godly is known to pray. As soon as grace is poured out, prayer is poured out as well. Notice this. But let me, let me, let me make a, a, a cautionary here. So does that mean that everyone is praying is godly? No. Let's look at that. A hypocrite may have the gift of prayer, but he doesn't have the spirit of prayer. I'm going to say that again. A hypocrite may have the gift of prayer, but he's not had the spirit of prayer. What is the spirit of prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will. That's simple as that. So if you will, I think we can remember this. If you will, flip with me real quick to Acts chapter 9. This is one that was trained in the school of Gamaliel. We have 13 epistles written by him. you will, look at verse 10 in Acts chapter 9. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Just put, put yourself in Ananias' shoes this morning. And Ananias, a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, Go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And when Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm He has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there He has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentile, the kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house by laying his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who has appeared to you on the road, as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Praise God. We see this. I mentioned, put yourself in Ananias' shoes for a second. But we've been there. We have neighbors left and right of us that are out carousing, blaspheming God's name, cursing, looking to trap and do all sorts of evil. 
Paul went to another. He he went another step further and was outright believed he was doing God good, killing Christians for the glory of God. But as we look at this, I want to I want to if you will notice what the Lord told Ananias here. Ananias, God knows the very house and the very street he's in. This man had been in the synagogue his whole life, praying and praying and praying. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to conclude that that was him, but when those two went into the temple, couldn't you hear him? Couldn't you hear him? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that man. Can't you hear him? I thank you, Lord, I'm not like this man. And the other man beats his chest, puts his face on the ground, and he says, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. And we know which man went home justified that night, that very day. But if we look at this, Ananias could have said, Lord, go to him, he will be in church. There can be wolves in sheep's clothing. Go to Him. He's preaching. You'll find Him. He's preaching. You can be preaching for your own glory, to elevate yourself. As, as Pastor often says, this could be a shop window for your own gifts that Christ is suppressed and, and, and self-glory is elevated. But notice this. He goes to Him. The sincerity, you will find Him. He's praying. Home piety is the best piety. I'm going to say that again. Home piety is the best piety. What you do in secret will be made manifest in light. You are who you are in secret. The eye of the Lord goes to and fro, searching. Will He find a faithful man? Looking at this, if you will, flip back with me to Psalm 32. So, if I had to think of one word that summarizes the Christian, the epitome of the Christian life, prayer. Prayer. So you might be this morning saying, I wonder, because do you know often every time that we fall into sin and we go astray, the very first thing is, am I truly, the very first thing you're accused of, are you truly a child of God? Are you truly a child of God? Well, let this be. My question is, do you pray? Look what the very next thing the Lord says after that. He is a chosen vessel of mine. Chosen in election comes right after He's praying. There's a seal. There's, there's assurance. My question is, do you pray? Are you praying in your house? That's the question. So, if you will look at this, Picking back up, in a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Verse 7 You are my hiding place, you shall preserve me from trouble, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. If you look at this, you see trouble and you see deliverance. Notice those two words there's trouble and there's deliverance. What it's saying is, surely a flood of great waters, they shall not come near you. Many think of these waters as the afflictions of the saints. 
And, and, and I believe they are, but if you go a little bit further, I believe this will ultimately end in the flood of God's wrath. You remember in the, as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, two men build a home. And it says, and the floods and the winds beat upon this house. And it says, those that hear My Word are likened unto a man that built his house on the rock. So, so it's the Word of God that we're building upon. And that's our foundation. If you look at verse 7, it says, David has a confidence here. You are a hiding place? No. My hiding place. And we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, whom are called according to His purpose. Not and I feel, not and not and I hope, but I know. David knows right here. And you are my hiding place. Beloved, I would ask, who, can, who would be able to stand before the wrath of God? Who is going to be able to take upon the wrath of God. So there is danger, but there is deliverance. Notice it says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Notice this surrounding. That is so beautiful. I never had really seen that. But it's like every side of our lives as believers in Christ, we're surrounded by songs of deliverance. And this is coming from Spurgeon, Treasure of David, which is a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's a marching band of glory. We go from glory to glory. John 6.47 said, He who believes with all his heart has everlasting life. It's already been entrusted. It's already been. There's a down payment, in the in, blo- in the blood of Jesus is your seal, and the Spirit gives confirmation to that. So the marching band of glory surrounds you, beloved, and outside of Christ, you know nothing of this. You know nothing of this. Your song, your song is eat, drink, and be merry. And we settle for the leaks and the things of Egypt that only trouble our souls, being pleasurable for a moment. But beloved, and, I, and, and those that have not tasted and seen the goodness of God, I say turn from your ways. Please turn. As Spurgeon would say, turn or burn. Will it be worth it? Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? That's what I want to ask. Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? He's worth it. He is worth it. And I'm just another sinner telling another sinner where to find bread for your soul that will truly sustain you in the hour when no man can help you. None. And God is so jealous over us, so jealous that He will remove every crutch, every family member, anybody that gets in the way. And many of you can testify of that. The goodness of the Lord. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
As confession is the lancet that cuts the sin wide open, the Spirit of God is, is like, I'm a, is like a, a physician that, that comes and reveals the diagnosis and applies the comfort. The physician, the paraclete, the Spirit of God is a shoulder for us to lean upon where we can find comfort. As I have learned through the systematic uh, theology study by R.C. Sproul, the, the root word of that, he's more than that though. The root of that word, cum forte, comfort. C-U-M forte is with strength. With strength. With strength. What do you mean? To strengthen your faith in the time of trials. To strengthen you in that hour where no man, no man can, can meet you. Where no one will sustain you through that storm. And beloved, we, you know and I know it, as we come and we've been through storms, you become like that limpet. I love that little sea creature. That little sea creature clings to the rock of its salvation. And it's about this big. And it looks dingy. It looks like it's worth nothing. And that whole life of that little limpet is, is made, is known by one word. It's called clinging. And the more the waves crash upon it, the stronger it grips. And its teeth is said to have the strongest strength out of all creatures. But isn't that what we should do? We should kiss those storms and waves that beat us upon the rock of ages. That cause us to cling more and more and more. If you will... I want to look at this. A godly man does not continue to indulge in his sins. You don't see David returning back unto these things. As I have read, and I love this, Christ will never be sweet until sin is bitter. I'm going to say that again. And you need to hear this, and I need to hear this as well. Sin, Christ will never be sweet until your sin is bitter. So these songs, this marching band of glory that surrounds you as a believer that puts his faith and trust in Christ, that clings to the rock of his salvation, that his scales of his eyes have been, have been removed and the heart of stone has been removed. Where his affections now are warm to the things of God, not to the things of earth any longer. So notice this. The marching band of glory, you're in the middle as a believer. And there's a provision around you. There's songs of glory. That song, that, that beating of that drum is only songs of victory. Of deliverance. Past, present, and future. And it's all the way to glory. Never stops and never ceases. Onward to victory. This, this battle that we're in is a battle for the truth. This is a truth war and your soul is at stake. So notice that before this child of God, the godly, notice what goes before him. Hope sounds the cymbals. Behind him, gratitude beats the tremble. Right and left, above and below, are air resounding sounds of joy. All this was the very poor man just weeks ago who his bones had dried up. He was roaring like a beast. And now, 
there's a marching band of glory surrounded him. Why is this? It says this for everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Why? I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. There was no preparation. This was immediately. Immediately. He was vexed and roaring like a lion, like a wild beast that has no understanding. And now, the marching band of glory has surrounded him. This is so beautiful. This is so encouraging. And if you will, test the Lord. Test Him. Take in your Bible when you find yourself hurting, downcast. Like David says, why are you downcast, my soul? Open up His Word and test God. Put in there. Put beside it T. And be still and continue to cry it unto the Lord. And when He answers that, go back and put a P with tears beside it. Prove it. He, will, he has never failed. He never will forsake you. And He will never, ever cast away those that come unto Him with a broken and contrite spirit who tremble at His Word. He is faithful. He who began a good work will finish it. And God does not build junk. He does not build junk. He will adorn you with holiness and you will radiate. Your armor will shine with holiness. If you will, look at this. Let us continue. These are the admonitions in verses 8 and 9 to continue confessing sin. And notice this. I'm going to read this out loud and think of who can do this? Who can uphold this? Who can fulfill this text? So let us hear this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. Do you notice? We had prayer. I will instruct you. Where does instruction come from? The Word of God. So you notice prayer and the Word of God are inseparable. They cannot be separated. And what do I mean by that? Many today will say, I, will, I desire you, I desire you as Savior, but I will not submit unto you as your Lord, as Lordship. Many people desire to be saved from hell, but not the hell from within. So notice these are inseparable. If you only pray... Your prayers come up and they're mystical and they're not rooted in truth. Pray God's Word back to Him. Learn how to pray through the Psalms. Take His Word and just use it as a, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh God, I'm the stupidest of all animals and I'm prone to stray. Lord, I feel it. How many of you can testify of this? And you know what? I heard John MacArthur say this and I thought it, it makes me want to cry. It is so beautiful. Sheep, yes, are the dumbest of all animals and they're prone to stray and they're nothing but big fluffy dirt balls. And everything they do, it just dirt just clings to them. But you notice this as believers in Christ. Though sin is in us, we don't live in sin. Though sin is in us, we don't live in sin. But one thing they, they watch that the sheep enjoy most 
is to be cleansed by the shepherd. This is the one thing that sheep enjoy the most. They love to be cleansed by the shepherd. And, and like little children, once a year, their little rumps and the back end have to be shaved because it gets so matted up and they get constipated. So it's almost like we're children. He has to cleanse us and set us anew, set us afresh. Where we, you know, we, we, we seem to all be there. But that's the one thing, beloved. Remember this. That sheep, yes, though dirt clings to them from within and without, the one the thing they desire most is to be cleansed by the shepherd. So if you'll look at this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. This is the King's Highway. Jesus said Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a life, not a truth. That means everything else is a lie. The truth sets you free. The truth restores you. The truth binds up all your wounds. Eat this truth, eat this Word, and believe it with all your heart. I'll instruct you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And do not be like the horse or the mule, which having no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. If you would glance across the page... Look at Psalm 33, verse 18. This is who the eye is upon, the Lord is the eye, his eye is upon. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. <laughs> That's like a bomb of Gilead that goes over my head right there. Jesus Christ is that balm. What a great change that we see right here partaking. We had this example for our admonition to encourage us to uncover ourselves. Because Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 28:13 it says a man who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If we cover them, he will uncover them. I'm sorry, if we, yeah, that's correct. If we cover it, He will uncover it. But if we uncover it, He covers it. And that's the promise. If you will, I look into this and only the Lord can do this. I will instruct you and teach you. Who gives man understanding? It's only by the Spirit of God. The the natural man may have a sense of God, a sense here and there, But He can go no further. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. And I will guide you. I will instruct you. means I will bring My Word unto you and give understanding that you may apply it. Because the best understanding is practical understanding. If we can practically understand. And I will teach you. There's no greater teacher than the Lord Jesus Himself. There's no greater teacher... David may be like a sheepdog, and the sheepdog, which are in a way to me like a pastor, an elder. But if you ever watch sheepdogs out in the country, wilderness, or maybe New Zealand, where they have sheep still roaming today, that sheepdog wags his tail and looks at the shepherd, waiting. Only his greatest desire is only to please that shepherd. 
And when he says it, he goes. So we see in this, David is nothing but a sheepdog, but the Lord is a true teacher that sends the sheepdog out. I will guide you with my eye. I don't know about you, but that's a seal to me when I think about that. I will guide you with my eye. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, to save us from our sins. This is not an eye of condemnation. This is an eye of compassion and love and pity. This is not a thunderbolt or a whip. I will guide you with my eye. My eye is always upon you. If you will, let's look at something real quick. Let's see this eye that was upon one of His disciples. The lead disciple, Peter. If you will, let's see how His eye dealt with one of His disciples. Luke 22. If you will, please turn with me to Luke 22. Starting in verse 31 in Luke 22. Previously the disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest. Jesus is near the cross. He had set His face like flint to the cross. And picking up in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that you may that He may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to Me, strengthen your brethren. But He said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He didn't know what He was saying. Then He said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall crow This day before you will deny three times, you will deny three times that you do not know me. And he said to him, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack sandals, did you like anything? So they said nothing. And he said to them, but now... He who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you, this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressions, transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. I want to get to this verse here. If you will, look across the page in verse 60. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. In that one look, I believe Peter died that day. I believe not his whole being, but part of Peter in his self-dependent nature, in his self-willed nature, in his own strength of boast and say, I'll go with you to prison and to death. I will go with you. But haven't we all been there and said the same thing? I will go and minister in the streets. I will go out and do this. And next day, we fall flat on our face. Maybe within the even same day. And Lord, our prayer should be, Lord, if Thy will. Lord, if You strengthen me. Lord, if You give me Your comfort, Your comforte, if You strengthen me. Because notice He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desire to shake you up. To sift you. He's desired to put you and crush you like powder. He's desired it. But notice Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Notice in what David is saying. He's doing this. And when you return, go and strengthen your brethren. Beloved, that's what David is doing here. If you flip back in our text, that's what David is doing. He's saying, I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want to strengthen you. I want you to be in this band. I want you to get around this band, this marching band of glory, and we will march all the way to heaven. As the song says, I'm marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Notice it says, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. Until the, open, the eyes of your heart are open and we see and we line up under God's Word, we will be like this horse and bit and bridle that turns and kicks nature right in the face. We will hurt everyone in the way. I don't know if you've ever been around farm animals, but a horse is a strong beast. And if you're around it and it's rage and when horses get in a fight, it's dangerous. It's kind of scary. They start kicking. They start fighting. And it's a powerful creature. And that's what he's saying is don't be carried away in your lust and kick and hurt. Not only yourself because you're going to get scars from kicking. You're going to, from being kicking against me. But as you kick, you're going to hurt everyone around you. Everyone around you. Do not be like this horse or mule. And I read a commentary which I believe was so beautiful. They said the horse is a swift being and the mule was a lazy one. And, and I thought, wow, the horse was the Gentiles ran so far away from Christ. And the mule was lazy like the Jews that, that couldn't see that this is their Messiah. Two different beasts, two different animals. But you know, beloved, I see that within my own heart sometimes. <coughs> Horse, mule. Lazy when He's commanded me to be obedient, to repent, and, and come unto Him, and I flee. But God, He does. And I want to I always share this with you. Notice the eye and the hand always go hand in hand. 
Where the eye is not sufficient enough for you, there's a hand. And that all omnipotent, all powerful hand is a loving, is holding a rod and a crook. Protection, provision, pro- providing. And that's all the Good Shepherd does. As simple as this, He provides and protects. One, protection, provision. So when the eye is not enough, the hand is enough. And I'm telling you, and I'm sharing from my own experience, there is nothing worse than when the hand of the Lord is upon you. That cuts to the deep. That cuts where no man can cut. To the bone, to the marrow. But God loves us enough that He will wound you that your soul will not perish. He loved His Son enough, and He loved you enough that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved Fee, for God so loved Miss Lily, so God loved Tristan, Devin, Mr. Price, Hannah, Ben, Miss Teresa, for God so loved Elizabeth, for God so loved He gave. His only, not one, His only. That whosoever shall believe it shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Forever and ever. If you look at verse 10, this is the two alternatives. We come down to two alternatives. I'll try to summarize this quickly. As I pray that the Spirit of God has, He's the one that gives true application. Pray that He has already given application to you sitting. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But, there's the transition word. Doesn't have to be. It does not have to be. Many of you, when you read that verse, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Many of you can still remember scars. You still see them. I'm telling you, Satan is a horrible taskmaster and he's a sick bastard of a father that desires for his children to perish into the everlasting lake of fire. And he seeks to devour whom he will. But let us remember, but that's God's devil. That's God's devil. This is a creator over a little finite creature. Even though he was an angel, he fell. He fell like lightning. This is not a battle of equals and one single word will fail him. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. And I believe that eventually adds to eternal sorrow. But he who trusts in the Lord, he who takes all his cares and he rolls them upon the Lord. He rolls. That's what trusting is. is rolling it unto the Lord. Casting all your cares in the Lord. Mercy shall surround him. There it is. A surrounding of mercy again. Giving man what he doesn't deserve. Unmerited favor. Showers joy upon joy. And notice this. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. We have to be reminded of this. Because our carnal nature wants to find joy in the things of this world. Be glad in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Notice... It gives the parameters in the Lord. Be glad in the person of who He is. This is where joy is at. This is where 
joy unspeakable. This is where you can rejoice always. We may not rejoice in that circumstance, but I can rejoice in the Lord. Because I know Jesus Savior, pilot me. It's not the vessel, but I know who's, who is the captain of the vessel. That's what matters. That's all that will matter. It's not the vessel. It's who's in the vessel and captain of that vessel. So notice when Jesus rebuked Simon, when He said, Jesus, you must not go to the cross. And He said, get behind me, Satan. He didn't rebuke the vessel. He rebuked the captain who had entertained his understanding, who had distorted him. So let us not, beloved, let us not be like the cuttlefish. There's a fish of the sea that its defense mechanism is to shoot out ink into the waters. And that's its defense mechanism. is to cloud the waters to flee, to escape. But that's, that's, I'm going to share this with you. David here is, I believe, unmask all hypocrites. A hypocrite wants grace for himself and no one else. David's unmasking hypocrites right here. He's saying, I'm willing to show you my warts that God may be glorified. I'm willing to decrease that He may increase. Let us use this as an example and template for us that we may have joy unspeakable and that you may always sing with everlasting joy. As He sings over us, let us return back unto Him. As He poured grace into us, we pour prayer back out to Him. We're only giving back what, what, he, what He's given. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And there's no shadow of turning. God has no favoritisms. He loves the bruised reed just as much as the cedar. And they are justified in Christ even though their sanctification may vary. But He's going to perfect that which concerns you. Let us pray. Our Father, we look into the, Your Word as I stumble all around it, but Lord, Your Word reads me. Your, Lord, your Word, as Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Test me, O God. Lord, that is my prayer for all of us, Lord. Lord, I thank You that though many trials assail us, though our troubles be great, this is nothing when we look upon the Lord Jesus. Lord God, who can compare to You? Who can give You counsel? Lord, awaken us that we may not slumber. Remove the familiarity of this Holy Word from our hearts. Let us cringe when we open this Word and let us bow our knee and worship You. Lord, You are so good. Lord, let us adore You as the song says, Oh, come, let us adore You, Lord. Oh, come, let us adore You. Lord, we give You all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.